It wasn't uncommon my first couple of years. I was kind of getting in trouble. Some rumors were flying around because Coopy was out on Friday night before games at the local bars having a, a cigarette and a, and a drink in his hand. And people would go up to him and say, you know, Eli, what are you doing? It's Friday night. We got a big game tomorrow. And he just, well, it's only, we only got Kentucky tomorrow. It's no big deal. Hey, everybody. What's up? Trey Wingo here. And welcome into season two of Half Forgotten History. And they said it wouldn't last. Look, season one was great. We had some great conversations with significant NFL stars. But season two is going to be even better. Why? Because it's about one thing. The ring. Everyone we're talking to in season two will be a Super Bowl champion. And you're going to hear the stories that made them get to that pinnacle of football. And what it was like when they realized... Oh my God, I've finally done it. By the way, we're brought to you this season by DraftKings, so make sure whenever you download or use the app, use the promo code WINGO. We'll get more on DraftKings when we take our break in the middle of the show. But first, let's kick it off in style with the first family of football, the Mannings. Archie Manning, of course, the patriarch of the family, had a long and illustrious career, although with some terrible teams. But he did turn into a stud farm for Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. Peyton and Eli both have two Lombardi trophies. So he had a chance to sit down with Archie and Eli, who twice walked away with a Lombardi trophy at the expense of the dominant franchise of all time, the New England Patriots. Archie, Eli, how are you guys? Glad to be with you, Trey. Always. Yeah, glad to be here, Trey. Thanks for having us on. Listen, it is a delight. And Archie, I- I've given you this joke before, but, you know, did you ever think about having more sons? Because you might have had Tom Brady zero Super Bowl rings if you just managed to have a couple more kids come out. Believe me, th- th- three was plenty. You know, when you when you add Cooper in, that's that's a load. I'm surprised you had any more after Coop. He was fine. <laughs> I've seen some of the stuff he's doing uh, on Fox, and I can understand where you're coming from. But the reason I say that is, you know, Peyton beat. Tom three times in AFC championship games. And of course, uh, Eli uh, beat him twice in the Super Bowl. And your story, your your family story has been told a million different times and it's fascinating the way it turned out. But I I guess with all the success that your sons have had, Archie, your career was different. You were the second overall pick in 1971 and NFL Films once did a piece on you and it was a compliment, but the title came out the wrong way. They called it. They called you the best of the worst in the terms of the teams you played for. So as you were going through early in your career and you saw the lack of wins, did you ever have concerns that, oh, do I really want my kids to do this as well? Because this is frustrating for me. Well, you know, Trey, you, uh, uh, you, you go through a tough season. <laughs> Most of the time we change coach. We change coaches about every two and a half years, which when I say half years, that's a bad deal. When you fire coach yeah. in the middle of the year, I, I think I did that four times. That's awful. That That's the worst of the worst, but you get a new coach, you kind of get a new, uh, he brings in some new assistants. Sometimes we'd change people in the front office. So you, you get kind of a, a, a little sanguine feeling that this is going to be it. And we're going to, we're going to build something back in those days. Though, I will say, it took longer to build or, or also the teams that were good stayed good. They stayed, they stayed good for a good while. And um, t- today it, it's different. You know, I guess salary cap and the way player movement. So forth. then you've seen teams, you get the right coach, the right uh, situation. They turn it around pretty quick. But <clears throat> anyway, uh, no, after a while, you know, after 10, 11 years and we kept, we kind of won kind of about uh, 1978, we kind of made a move. And we said, okay, I said, this is going to be it. So then the next year we even made a little more of a move and we got kind of got people's attention a little bit, especially on offense. And then the next year it just all fell apart. I mean, went right down the drain. And so it, uh, you never get used to losing and uh, you, ne- you never accept it. Uh, but when I go back on it now, hey, I did what I wanted to do. Is I was one of these kids who wanted to play ball, and I, I got to do it for almost 15 years, and uh, it, it was it was a good trip, even though I didn't see the brightest side of it. Eli, how aware were you as a kid? Obviously, you knew your dad played, and it was cool that your your father was an NFL quarterback. But were you guys even aware of the idea that man, they just don't win a lot, or were you just happy that your dad was playing football? You know, uh, I had a little different experience than, than my two brothers. I'm five years younger than Peyton. I'm seven years younger than Coop. So my dad retired in 1985. I was four years old 
when he retired. So I really didn't get to experience uh, some of the cool things that my brothers got to do and go into the locker room and, and, you know, go to Saturday practice and be in the training room and get to, you know, be around some of those, uh, those players and teams. I really don't remember my dad as a football player. I mean, I kind of figured it out later on when he was, um, you know, he was announcing and doing some radio for the Saints games. We would go to every home Saints game and I'd, we'd walk to the stadium together. He'd go do his work. I'd sit in the stands with, with Coop and Pate and watch the games. But I remember walking through the stands or walking to the Superdome and I'm, you know, six, seven years old and uh, people were stopping my dad to, uh, to take a picture for an autograph. I just thought that's what dads did. They just kind of signed autographs. Like when I went to my buddy's house, I always asked their dad for an autograph. I thought that was just kind of the norm uh, in those situations. So I got a pretty good collection of, of autographs from Mr. Berger, Mr. Egan, Mr. Montgomery, you know, it's pretty sound, but, you know, I kind of, you know, eventually figured it out and saw some of the highlights, saw, you know, learned about his career uh, at Ole Miss, learned about his, his football career in the NFL and got to watch some film and, and those things. So, um, you know, I just really remember, the, you know, probably the biggest thing I learned from my dad is just the way he treated people. And when, when someone asked for my first autograph, uh, in college, I just thought, Hey, what did my dad do? And he signed every autograph. He took every picture. He was so friendly to everyone that, you know, approached him. And so I learned a lot of my lessons, uh, really kind of just on how he treated people, what it was like being, you know, well known, uh, and not so much kind of watching him as a football player, you know, doing his job. I just want to be clear about one thing. You literally went to your friend's house and asked their parents for autographs. Cause that's what your dad did. I mean, that's, you know, people were asking for an autograph. So I thought that's just what you did. You know, that's just kind of that dad's, you know, or, or maybe you had to be a radio announcer uh, to get to be fans. I don't know. Uh, that, that didn't make sense to me. But, uh, you know, they, how could they see him? How did they know what he looked like? But, um, you know, it's just, uh, it, you know, I just had a little bit, you know, I just don't remember him as a football player. I don't remember ever going to a game and, and watching him in the stands or being in the locker room. I, you know, I wish I could. I wish I could recall a few of those games that I went to when I was three years old, but I just can't. Uh, I've seen some uh, some therapists about it or, you know, try to be hypnotized to see if they can, you know, draw some of those memories. I just can't, I can't bring them out. You might have the great greatest collection of worthless autographs ever. Yeah, yeah. Well, in, in your mind, they're worthless. To me, they're priceless. You know, these are some... Some great dads, a couple third, uh, a couple of great third base coaches. You know they could they could wind us home while drinking a cold beer at third base, like you know with the best of them. I can respect that, Archie. When did you get an idea that man, all my kids, including Cooper, before he had the neck injury, these guys might be able to make it. They they might be able to do what I was able to do. Yeah, I, I thought you know they. They like sports, Trey. Uh, they went from sports to sports. You, know, you kind of start out in Little League Baseball and uh, five or six years old, and all of them did that. Uh, there was no football. I, I didn't I didn't, I didn't, didn't think too much of tackle football at a young age, but they played a lot of basketball. We'd go in these crummy gyms and um, do, do that. And then they'd just kind of go from sport to sport. So, um, as I said, it was no football. Eli was the only one that at a, a young age, fifth or sixth grade, played some flag football. And flag football just wasn't around when Peyton, Peyton and Eli came along. But by the time they got to junior high, and that's when I think that's when football kind of started for them was at their school, seventh grade. They were very anxious to play. I mean, they really wanted – because they'd, they'd been around it. They'd been in the locker room. They followed football, and I was still involved with it. So they, they were anxious. And – um but I never, I never thought much about it. Cooper was a, Cooper was a quarterback at first. Uh, he wanted to go to wide receiver. He finally got to go to wide receiver. Peyton came along as a quarterback. Eli was always a quarter, quarterback. But and people are saying some nice things like they're going to be this and that. I, you know, I just didn't go for that. They said, oh, he'll he'll be a college player. I said, how do you know that? You're a scout. Who are you? You. You're a coach, so I, I didn't think that was a good thing. I wanted them. I was I was glad they were playing sports. I think sports are great for young people. It's a lot of value there if they like it. Uh, they were never pushed into it by, by me or anyone, but they did like it. And they and I think it's also very healthy to go from sport to sport. You know, a lot of times I think too early, kids kind of 
zero in on one thing. I don't know if that's always good. I think you're just so much value there in life lessons and things to learn playing, playing, playing sports and especially team sports, uh, the, the, the lessons you learn. So no, it was really probably Cooper was, um, probably a senior and started getting some recruiting letters and, uh, some coaches calling. And, uh, at that point, I uh, said, you know, maybe, and he really wanted to play college football. He really, really wanted to play. At that point, Peyton was a sophomore, and I wasn't thinking anything about about Peyton. His junior year, he kind of really grew, and uh, some schools started calling. He had a good year. It, it was probably his junior year for for um, Peyton. Maybe he was a sophomore year when he, I kind of said, yeah, it looks like uh, they might be able, they may play a little bit at the next level. Well, yeah, and that next level started in college where Cooper went and suffered the neck injury, and that ended his career. Uh, and he went to your alma mater. He went to Ole Miss. Peyton went to Tennessee. And, Eli, you decided to follow in your dad's footsteps. Now, um, that that's a lot of pressure sometimes on a lot of people uh, to go where your dad was a legend, quite frankly. What what were the deciding factors for you to say, hey, you know, I, I can deal with that going forward at Ole Miss. Yeah, well, you know, I, I looked around. It wasn't it wasn't a done deal that I was going to Ole Miss. And, and um, I was really, you know, looking at Texas uh, very hard. Matt Brown was there, had things rolling, you know, went on, on an official visit there. And it's, it's you know, an impressive place uh, just with the facilities at the time. And then. Uh, that was that was when uh, you know Tommy Tupperville was at Ole Miss and he left and David Cutcliffe came in to be the head coach and I knew Coach Cutcliffe because he was Peyton's offensive coordinator at Tennessee and I went to Tennessee camps and knew the relationship with Coach Cut and Peyton and how much he admired him and um, you know what kind of coach he was so when he became the the head coach at Ole Miss it kind of brought me back to Ole Miss and, and made them number one on my list. And, um, you know, I kind of, you know, uh, when Peyton went to Tennessee, my dad caught a lot of heat for not making Peyton go to Ole Miss. And a lot of people around Mississippi thought that that should be the case. And it was never, never the option for my dad. He never brought it up. But, you know, I did figure if I didn't go to Ole Miss, that both my parents who were born and raised in Mississippi probably would not have been allowed to enter the state ever again. So I didn't want to do that to them. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, yeah, they assume there's a lot of pressure following my dad and his footsteps. There's probably a little bit more pressure following in Cooper's footsteps at Ole Miss. He was more of a social legend than a football legend. But, um, you know, around campus and on the square there, uh, it wasn't uncommon in my first couple of years that, um, you know, I was getting I was kind of getting in trouble. Some rumors were flying around because Coopy was out on Friday nights before games at the local bars kind of, you know, uh, having a, having a, a cigarette and a, and a drink in his hand and people would go up to him and say, you know, Eli, what, you know, what are you doing? It's Friday night. We got a big game tomorrow. And he just, <laughs> well, it's only, we only got Kentucky tomorrow. It's not, no big deal. He just went right along with it. So that, that did not help, uh, help anything, but you know, I, I, uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed, um, you know, my time at Old Miss and got great coaching from coach Cutcliffe and, and that staff. And, and, uh, so it was definitely the right choice for me. And, and, uh, and I think, but coach Cutcliffe going there was, was a big reason that, that brought me back to Ole Miss. Yeah. Cooper's definitely not a shrinking violet. Uh, I think I ran into him a few years ago, at the Super Bowl after, uh, opening night and he was wearing a, a money green suit with dollar bills all over it. So yeah, I can certainly see him saying, Oh yeah, I'm Eli. I'm just having a cigarette. Don't worry about me. I'll be fine. Come game day. Thanks guy. Appreciate that. So, so then, you know, obviously Peyton goes on and has success. Number one overall pick and he's, he's doing very well in the league when it is your turn to be drafted. Uh, and how much did you lean on, Peyton and your dad to try and figure out how your draft process was going to go because, you know, there, there was the chargers with the first pick and it was pretty clear at that time. You did not feel comfortable with the idea of going to play for San Diego, the way that franchise had been going. Yeah. And you know, that's not a, not an easy decision uh, to make. And, and, you know, I had a lot of conversations with my dad, with my agent, Tom Condon, um, you know, with people around the NFL, uh, with, with my brother, it's not something that I, you know, I, I necessarily wanted to do. I knew I would get backlash from it and, and it was going to call, you know, cause a big uproar and things. And that's not really my style. I don't want to cause uproar. I really like to keep things very peaceful and easy and, and low key. And so, 
but we just, you know, we felt strongly about doing that and just said it was it's not going to be the right place. And you had a little leverage. You, we tried to, you know, do it quietly and just tell San Diego, hey, you know, we just don't just don't draft me. We won't say anything. Just, you know, but, you know, I will I will hold out whether I would have really would have held out or not. No one knows. It might have just been a big bluff, but you know we felt it was a the right move to 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 say that and to do that and and see if we can convince him not to not to draft me. But um, you know it was, it was it was hard. I know my dad took a lot of heat about it. He kind of helped me and wanted to take some of the some of the heat off me and do some of the interviews. But it was not you know it was not him doing this. It was not his decision. Um, you know I, I asked. I, I mean we talked about it a bunch. Um, we talked, you know, he talked to a lot of executives and, and coaches and people um, around the NFL uh, when this was going on, just kind of some of their thoughts, you know, not telling exactly what was going on, but just about about that. But obviously, uh, you know, we had the trade. I was a, I was drafted to the Chargers for about 45 minutes and then uh, traded to the Giants. And I think it I think it ultimately worked out for everybody. The the Chargers got some draft picks out of it. They got Phillip Rivers, ended up getting Sean Merriman. They, you know, got some great players, turned things around. And, you know, you know, two two or three years later, they're going 14 and two. And so, and had some great teams. And Phillip Rivers played there uh, for a long time and had a lot of success. Yeah, Archie, as a, not only as a father, but as someone who was very connected with the NFL and obviously a very big part of the NFL, how difficult was it for you to navigate that knowing you wanted the best for your son, but knowing, you know, like, like Eli said, you know, this could turn out badly from a perception standpoint. Yeah. It was so Eli talked about backlash. Um, I, I got, I think I got all the backlash, but <laughs> a lot of people, especially, I think it is really the New York media uh, just presumed, I think, because I had played on poor teams that that I was kind of leading this charge to uh, keep my son from going to somewhere maybe where he didn't want to go or shouldn't go. And it really wasn't the case. Eli and Tom Condon, you know, the one Tom, Tom's been a, a, a great agent for a lot of years in this league. He happened to represent the head coach of the Chargers, their quarterback, uh, that was Marty Schottenheimer, their quarterback, Drew Brees, and their best player, LaDainian Tomlinson. So he, he knew a little something about the Chargers, and that's kind of where it started. And Eli asked me, I told Eli it's a bold thing to do. He said, well, would you kind of ask around a little bit? So I talked to a lot of people. I called a lot of people and uh, people I could I could trust. I've never I've never gone out and said who who it was I talked to. So it was just uh, everybody kind of came to the decision. Eli said, I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm I'm gonna do it. And he, he felt strongly about it. And um, as, as he said, it uh, it was kind of a it, it was a weird weird deal and a lot of tough there for a while but uh as he said ultimately i think it worked out great Phillips had a great career still having a great great career eli did fine with the giants so so it worked out it certainly did there was that awkward picture with eli holding up the chargers jersey and, and you know it's just one of like this isn't gonna last but i'll do the photo off anyway but it, it works out the the, the trade the trade was made and, and you go to the giants and so, Eli, obviously, I worked a lot of years with Tim Hasselbeck, so I'm giving up a source here. But he told me one of the greatest stories of all time about your rookie year, and I want you to confirm it for me. And if you, if you hate this part, we'll edit it out. But uh, there was the game where Luke Pettigrew broke his leg, and he was your left tackle. And then Bob Whitfield came in, and it was a train wreck of a game, a bleep show all the way around. So after that game – at some point, I think there was a players only meeting and Bob Whitfield got up there and said, man, this was on me. You know, I wasn't expecting to play. Luke never gets hurt. I was up all night before the game doing all kinds of stuff. I wasn't ready to play, man. That's on me. I'm sorry. And Tim said you turned to him and looked at him and said, yeah, and I'm the bust. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that, that, you know, a lot of that, a lot of that is true. And, and, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, I got, I got drilled that game and it was not, it was not pretty, but, uh, you know, that's, I guess that was my introduction to the NFL that not, you know, kind of learning that not everybody's on the same page, not everybody's committed. And it's about kind of finding, finding those guys and finding that team that are all, you know, working towards that common goal of getting a championship. And I think coach Coughlin was able to do that, kind of implement his rules, implement his style, 
uh, his, his, you know, um, just the importance of preparation. Um, and all of a sudden, you know, a few years later, we kind of got, got those players to all buy in and, and build a championship team. But, um, you know, we had some great times with, uh, with Timmy Hasselback and some great quarterbacks. And it's all, you know, it takes, it takes a few years to kind of learn just the commitment that goes into winning a championship. And, and it's not just in season, it's a full year, a full year job of, of doing everything the right way to, to give yourself that opportunity. All right. So it obviously worked out for the Giants. And, and again, this season of Half Forgotten History is all about Super Bowl rings. So why don't we take a break here? And when we come back, we'll talk about the Super Bowl rings for the for the Manning family and arguably the greatest two season stretch any father could ever have in the history of professional sports. We'll get to that right after this. Playoffs. You want to talk playoffs? That's right. Football's playoffs continue this weekend, and there is no better place to get in on all the action than with the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. If you haven't checked out the app yet, simply no better way and no better time to sign up and start cashing in. Look, DraftKings is giving you the chance to turn $1 into $100 when betting on any football game this weekend, so let's help you make some picks. Obviously, the injury to Patrick Mahomes gives us pause in what's going to happen in the AFC Championship game between the Bills and the Chiefs, the top two seeds in the conference. So I'm going to wait until we know what's going on with his health to worry about that one. Look, the Packers open up as a three and a half point favorite, and that game is in Green Bay. There is actually a home field advantage here, even though there are limited stands up at Lambeau because of the weather. You have a team from Tampa Bay coming north in the wintertime to play outdoors. Plus, let's be honest, Tom Brady doesn't need anything to cement his legacy. Aaron Rodgers might need that second Super Bowl ring to convince people he belongs on the shortest of short lists when it comes to the greatest of all time. And oh, by the way, he led the league in both touchdowns thrown this year in 48 and the best passer rating in the entire NFL. He's playing better than anyone right now. He's going to be the MVP. And I think he, along with Devontae Adams, will carry that Packers team to the Super Bowl and cover the three and a half. So make sure you download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code WINGO when you sign up to get 100-to-1 odds on any football game this weekend. That's code WINGO for new players to get a shot at $100 on any pro football game this weekend for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. All right, back with you on this episode of Half Forgotten History, our inaugural episode of Season 2. Delighted to be talking to the Manning family, Archie Manning and Eli Manning. Again, Season 2 all about Super Bowl rings. So that had been the thing missing from Peyton's resume up until they get to Super Bowl 41. Uh, and I, I guess before we do that, Archie, we have to go back a little bit and talk about the AFC Championship game that year because Peyton had played Tom Brady and the Colts in the 03 Championship game in Foxborough, didn't win, went up the next year in the divisional round. And I swear to you, I was at that game. It snowed at Foxborough and nowhere else in the entire Massachusetts area. I, I, we left the stadium and two minutes outside, there wasn't a snowflake anywhere. It just snowed on the field. So getting to the Super Bowl had been a big nemesis. Uh, that year, they, they won the Super Bowl. They were the three seed. You know, the Chargers lost and then they beat the Ravens. So they got the AFC home field advantage. What did it mean first and foremost for Peyton and for you to see finally Peyton beat Brady and the Patriots? Well, it was just so hard. Uh, New England was was so good. Uh, maybe a little different than they became uh, years later, still winning Super Bowls where their offense had so much to do with it. But those early ones, you know, Bill just said, Coach Belichick had such an unbelievable defense. Eli can can tell you about it. And and they were, they were just hard to beat. Uh, I think one of the big things uh, got them out of that snow and out of their home field and fortunate enough to, to, to come to Indianapolis. Um, and, and you mentioned the Ravens. I mean, a brutal uh, game, not a, I don't, no touchdowns. I think we kicked six field goals. And that was the, that was the Rex Ryan and the, and the great uh, Raven defense. So to win that game, I mean, I can remember plays during that game. It was, it was so close, but anyway, you get them, you're going to get them in the, um, uh, RCA Dome and at, at home 
And lo and behold, you go out and not playing great in the first half, and they get a pick six right before uh, right before halftime, and I think go up 21-3. It sure doesn't look good. It doesn't look good when you're down to a great team like the Patriots 21-3. But uh, just got some things going in the second half, made some plays. All the great Colts players seemed to make plays um, in that game and 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 won the game and, and beat the Patriots. And um Got a, uh, a road to the Super Bowl. So I, I think out of all – out of Peyton's career, out of all the games, even the the four Super Bowl games he played in, the two that he was part of winning, I, I'll remember that game. I've never seen anybody uh, – uh, after the game, uh, I always waited on him outside the dressing room. And uh, he and Ashley had a place in town, had a little condo there in town. So we were going over there and had a policeman who was going to drive drive us over there. And we had to go through the streets of Indianapolis. They wanted about four blocks, but I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen anything, just people running through the streets of Indianapolis. And I don't know if it was more about going to the Super Bowl or about beating the Patriots, because it was a tough thing to do. But yeah, uh, going to play a good Chicago Bears team. And then, you know, what stands out about that Super Bowl, I think, what, there's been 54 of them. That's the only one that's ever rained. in my Worst Super Bowl weather ever. It didn't just rain early and stop rain. It rained the whole time. I've never seen so many drenched people in all my life, and so it really, it really doesn't look good because you play at that place to the Bears, who you know love had a great defense there. Locker, um, they ran, they ran. Uh, Tony said he wasn't going to kick to um, Devin Hester, and the ball goes to him. And he runs. The opening kickoff back. So, uh, but uh, kind of hung in there that day. Boy, had some uh, a great, great running game and, and won a Super Bowl. So, certainly uh, ne- never forget it. Yeah. So, he, Peyton finally gets the lift off his shoulders. He's the MVP. He, he does the thing that so many people said, oh, he's a climate controlled quarterback. He couldn't do it. Eli, as a brother, what did it mean for you to see your, your older? Uh, brother Peyton answered the bell and, and really shut critics up along those lines. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, it was just so, was so happy for Peyton and proud of him. And, and there's not a bigger fan um, in the world of, of Peyton than I am. And I've, I've, I swear I've been to more of his sporting events uh, besides my, my mom and dad. I'm, I'm, I, I got to be number three on the list from little league baseball to middle school basketball to every, I mean, I've, Pretty much, you know, I think I've you know I've seen every one of his football games uh, from from JV uh, in seventh grade all the way all the way through high school. Most of them at college, watching and and tried to watch everyone in the NFL. So you know, I wanted it for him, um, you know, badly, and you know, knew he was deserving. He worked so hard for it. You know, saw his commitment, his dedication, his preparation, and and to uh, to try to win a championship. So. Uh, and saw what the losses and, and what he was like after they got knocked out of the playoffs and how hard he took it. So I was definitely rooting for him um, to win that and knew how special it was. But it also kind of seeing him and being around him after that Super Bowl, seeing that smile that was just, you know, plastered on his face for the next three months, it definitely put a little, uh, a little urgency and a little bug in me to try to go, you know, get that same uh, satisfaction. I saw just what it meant to him. And, and, you know, and obviously you always, you know, want to win a championship. You're always prepared to win a championship, but when you see kind of up close, what it means to, uh, you know, our family, what it meant to him, that organization, it, it definitely, uh, upped up, you know, the preparation, the work, the commitment, uh, to try to get, you know, get to that same situation. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I was going to ask you, obviously everybody knows you're happy for your brother and you love your brother and you wanted him to succeed. But was there any part of you as a competitor like, no, I wanted to do it first. I wanted to be the one. <laughs> well, um, I mean, you obviously, yeah, you want to, you want to do it, but I, I guess for whatever reason in football, you know, Peyton and I were, were, were never that competitive. I think, I think, you know, maybe because we never competed against each other. We were never in high school at the same time. I never, you know, played a football game against them until I got to the NFL. But it was also, you know, it wasn't a, a game of golf. It wasn't a pickup game of basketball that just, you know, was just bragging rights and, and just kind of brought me you a know, brotherly competi- competition. This is, you know, this is your life. This is your job. This is what you work everything, everything for. And so we, we had just 
been so uh, supportive of each other, and no one's been more supportive of me than, than Peyton. You know, all the way through when I was in when I was in high school, he would come back from Tennessee during you know his spring break and watch our high school spring practices, and you know, and teach me what he was learning in college, and vice versa. When I was at Ole Miss, he would come back from the pros during you know during the off season and come watch our spring practices and. Again, you know, sit with the offensive coordinators, Coach Cutcliffe, and talk about plays, concepts, drill work, you know, and, and always trying to help me. So we always, uh, you know, we traded notes on teams. We traded, you know, uh, when we were playing the, the AFC, he would help me on all those teams. I'd help him on NFC East when they were playing our division. And so it's just so supportive that, you know, it wasn't me trying to get one before him. Uh, you just wanted to get to a championship and, and just, uh, you know, we really just supported each other and knew, you know, the kind of the only time we would, you know, play each other in the playoffs is if we were in a Super Bowl together, you know, and that would have been, we almost didn't want, almost did not want that just because of what it would mean for my parents. They also just, you know, it'd be hard, it's hard enough in a regular season game, but a Super Bowl just, you know, the, the how high that high is and how low that low is after losing a Super Bowl, uh, it would be hard to want that for, for one another. Yeah. And, and you had to wait all of a year to get that feeling <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Super Bowl 42. So Archie, I guess like as a father, you think God, one of my kids won a Super Bowl. He's an MVP. What more could I ask for? Then a year later, you find yourself in the box at Glendale, Arizona, watching potentially and eventually your sons do it two years in a row. Uh, with Eli and the Giants taking down the previously unbeaten New England Patriots. At what point as a father did you say, I, I, really, take me now because I can't ask for anything more? Yeah, that that next year, you know, and the, and the Giants went in. It was a wild card team. We started on the road down at, what, Tampa. Um, beat, a, beat a good Tampa team. Had to, go to, had to go to Dallas, play a Cowboy team that had beaten – beating the Giants twice that year. Good Cowboy team. Uh, but then, you know, it's like, golly, we got a little roll going here, but we got to go to Green Bay in four-degree weather and play against the Packers and, and Brett Farr. And um, to come out of that game, even though Coach Coughlin's cheeks, I, I'd said – Still frozen. Never, never, never be the same. And the stories – about you know how cold it was and the wind chill and our family and friends being there and, and all that type of stuff. But to win that game, which um, I don't, you know, I, I thought Plexico Burris played the greatest playoff game I've ever seen a receiver play that night, uh, especially uh, under under those conditions. And um, um, so so you say, golly, this this is really something. Uh, you know, just the greatest news in the world going to the Super Bowl. Now, here's the bad news. You're playing the Patriots, who are going to be 12 to 13-point favorites and are going for the second undefeated season in, in the history of pro football. So, uh, yeah, to get, to get to Arizona and play a great Patriots team and Michael Strahan and that defensive line puts, puts some – a lot of pressure on Tom. Great, great football game and to win it. So yeah, you know it's like the old joke. Uh, a couple of months later, Trey, Libby, and I are just watching TV, and something comes on about the boys, and um, you know, and um, I say, Libby, you know, in your wildest dreams, you ever think would our sons would win back to back Super Bowls, MVPs? And she said, you know, you're seldom in my wildest dreams, but. Uh, that's <laughs> That's that's kind of the way. Why we we actually just had to pinch each other when when everything settled down after after Glendale and just say, can you believe this is really really happened? It, it was phenomenal. And there's that great shot of Peyton uh, in the box with you. Just it, you could tell he was trying to hide from the cameras. He was so fired up to see Eli and the Giants doing that. And obviously, the play uh, was the was the helmet catch to David Tyree. Eli, I've told the story a million times. We had Mark Schlereth on with us. You know, he was my play-by-play man because I was doing post-game for that Super Bowl. And he described the David Tyree helmet catch like this. Uh, Eli scrambling around. Uh, oh, he throws it first down. That was it. <laughs> that Because I that's, that's – so I went and interviewed Plexico Burris because he caught the game-winning touchdown, and I thought I was getting the one-on-one with the most important guy in the whole field. <laughs> And I look back and I see David Tyree surrounded by 800 people. I'm like, why the hell are they talking to that scrub? 
what's going on? So my best friend totally screwed me, which we had in a previous episode. Like, take me through that play, Eli, and like, what was going on? Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, um, you know, David Tyree is such an interesting story. That week, uh, you know, Plaxico did not practice all week. And he tried to practice on Friday, kind of your last practice of the week before the Super Bowl. He, you know, ran one route. He looked terrible. And, you know, he said, I can't, I can't, I can't practice. So, I mean, we're thinking, you know, we're we're not going to have our number one receiver for the Super Bowl. So David Tyree is going to fill in his spot. And on that Friday practice, he he had the worst practice in the history of (laughs) all sports at any practice. I mean, he could not catch a cold he dropped I've mean, I gone back and watched it I threw him eight passes he dropped seven passes on that Friday in practice and so you're going into the biggest game of your life you think you you know you're starting receivers out and your guy who's going to take his place can't catch the football so you know you're not it's not a, an ideal situation and but um you know obviously we get to the game Plaxico is playing David Tyree you know catches a touchdown on the series before and so we get to that play um it's third and five we actually have a, a good play call it's gonna it's gonna work they're playing kind of a quarter safety we have a a corner and david tyree has the post route i was probably you know if i could have i would have thrown it to him on time and kind of hit my fifth step and and thrown this post to him but all of a sudden there's a little rush and you know kind of got you're getting held up people have got my jersey i'm just thinking hey protect the ball here um but sure enough you know, the offensive line you know did a pretty good job of 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 kind of blocking the guys off of me, you know, they, you know, the guy had a grip in my Jersey, but he, he was, uh, he wasn't, you know, he didn't have a great uh, grip and the guys offensive line kind of blocked them off. I rolled to my right, you know, any other point in the game, you're probably not throwing a 45 yard pass right down the middle of the field with several defenders around, but you know, third and five, we got to get, you know, we're running out of time. We got to get a chunk play. So, you know, give David Tyree a, a chance and, uh, you know, it just makes an unbelievable catch. Rodney Harrison hanging all over him. Um, and just, uh, you know, after we, you know, we, um, we want to go spike it. We say, hey, we got we to gotta go spike this. I didn't know if the ball hit the ground. And I remember he eventually had to call a timeout because it doesn't take too much time. But I asked David Tyree, I said, you know, David, did you, did you catch it? And he said, yeah, yeah, I caught it. I'm like, don't lie to me. I've, I've been fooled before <laughs> by you receivers. I mean, you know, a number of times, I, you know, it's got a similar situation, not as crazy a catch. I'd ask Plaxico, you know, a play's getting reviewed. Hey, did you catch it? He's like, yeah, yeah, I caught it. And I see the replay and it bounced like four times before it got to him. And I said, don't, you know, it doesn't do any good to lie to me. It's not going to change the, the replay, but I'm like, David, I mean, you're a Christian man. Did you catch it? He goes, I promise you, I promise you I caught it. And sure enough, he did. Uh, and people, you know, assume and kind of forget that. I mean, we were just on the, the 25 yard line. We had to score a touchdown. We still had to, you know, make a few more plays. We had a third down conversion to Steve Smith down the middle. And then finally we were kind of the Patriots. They were kind of playing a, a zone, zone, zone. Eventually they come out blitz zero. They finally came blitz zero. And Plaxico had a little, just had a fade route, but he ran it like a little slant and go and the defender jumped it and, you got six five on five nine. You take that matchup all day, and uh, you know ran a great route and and got the touchdown for the win. So I ask this for everybody I have on the show: when the clock struck zero and you realized, holy shit, we did it. What was the first thing that went through your mind? Yeah, it's a it's a weird feeling when that happens. You really don't know what what you to expect, and it's everybody kind of does the same thing. You just you run around with no you know no real you know uh, objective or plan. You just kind of run wildly, and eventually you just make eye contact with one of your teammates, and then y'all hug, and that's just that's what you do. I don't know. I mean, everybody kind of does the same thing. You don't really have a game plan, but mine was Jeff Eagles, the punter. I'm kind of running, you know, hands up, and you're kind of all of a sudden, you know, me and Feegs, uh, who was, you know, in his, I think, 20th year in the NFL, had never, you know, even won a playoff game, and I don't, I don't think, and never, you know, never been to a Super Bowl, obviously, and you know, he went to Super Bowl in his 20th year, uh, so we 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 connected, uh, and this, you know, you hug him, and then you kind of do it again, you kind of walk around and. And uh, just see, your, you know, at that point, it's just chaos. It's just, you know, the media and the fans and, and um, you know, the confetti flying all over the place. Then it's, then it's just survival. How do I, how do I kind of get out of here and where, where am I going? What am I doing? 
Yeah, we're jerks about that. We apologize. <laughs> so, so Archie, when was the first moment after the game that you, Peyton, and Eli all got together? I guess outside the uh, outside the dressing room. Yeah, um, I think Peyton went in. I don't go in, but um, we we waited. Then nice little. Um, Nice little post-game party that uh, Abby Manning kind of had planned just in case, uh, even though we were double-digit underdogs. Uh, uh, there's never a problem having getting attendance or getting people to come to those. I do remember I, do remember I had um, over 200 text messages, um, <laughs> some from people that I, I really didn't know they had my number. I did change my number. <laughs> But yeah, it's amazing how many friends you have when you have something to offer them, right? Fun. It, it, it was it was really fun. I, you know, I, people wonder why wow, I'm growing up in Mississippi, but I was a I was I grew up a Giants fan, and only because my dad liked the Giants, just because right behind Eli there is a picture of old number forty two, Charlie Connolly, and he was an old Miss guy from Clarksdale, Mississippi. So we pulled for the Giants growing up, and uh, but always admired their organization. I was just so happy for the Mara family and the Tish family and former Giants players. And um, but I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. The, happy, the happiest people were the Giants family, but the second was the Dolphin family because, you know, that oh, Dolphin, that Dolphin team is the one that had been undefeated. They sure didn't want this, uh, the uh, Patriots to time. And uh, we had dinner the night before right by Coach Shula. And, uh, boy, he, he came over. He said, no, you know, we, and then later uh, I got a video tray. It was a bunch of Dolphin players, like uh, for my era. You know, I played against that undefeated team. But the Dick Anderson, Bob Greasy, Manny Fernandez, Jim Kick, and a bunch of guys were together out at a country club watching the game. They went outside and did a little video. They might have had a cocktail or two. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh, a little video and sent it to me and it was it was really cool they were extremely happy well that's cool and then you had to wait all four years before you get to do it again and what i always find interesting is there's always seems to be this connection right because it was peyton then eli in back-to-back years then the second super bowl for eli and the giants is in indianapolis and you guys basically stayed at at peyton's place right downtown and that was, of course, the offseason where, you know, Peyton would soon after that be no longer a cult. I sat down and did a long interview with him uh, in the Gatorade studio about that. And that was sort of a, a sort of a, a theme over that entire week. And then lo and behold, Eli and company uh, do it again uh, in a really different way. And I got to say, I watched Eli that that Super Bowl 46 uh, game not too long ago and Boy, Justin Tuck was an absolute beast in that game, was he not? I mean, my God, he was everywhere on that field. And if it wasn't for his pressure on the first drive of the game, that really gave you guys the cushion because that was the two points from the safety. And otherwise, it would have been a field goal to to win the game instead of a touchdown. Yeah, you know, uh, that, the, the defense all through the playoff was was just uh, unbelievable with, uh, you know, Tuck, Tuck in, in both Super Bowls. Um, you know, really, really could have been the MVP in, in both of them. And uh, we, we talk about it all the time. I said, I'll let you borrow, I'll let you borrow the trophies every once in a while uh, if you want, because you know, and he's one of my, my great friends and such a great player, but JPP and OC, you know, those guys were, were so good. And, you know, we got the safety um, early on in that game. And, and, you know, I think there's a, there's, you know, a, a, a clip, a clip of Brady where he's, uh, you know, he's like, it's like, it's like, you know, tree trunks in front of him. He can't see those guys are in his face. They're big, long arms uh, all over the place. So, you know, defense played, played outstanding, got us some big stops, uh, you know, late in the game that got us the ball back with a chance to, um, to go on that, on that uh, scoring drive to win the game. That game to me is defined by two pass plays. One, Wes Welker's drop, which, you know, yep. It was a little tough. I get it. But Wes Welker will tell you he makes that catch 98 times out of 100, right? And then there's the play to Mario Manningham. And there's the great clip of Bill Belichick doing exactly what he should be doing. He said, double double nicks, double crews, make Manningham beat us. And I, I did an episode with Victor uh, earlier in season one. And you know this, and we talked about this with Victor. Mario had a habit of running himself out of bounds on that play specifically or that route all the time. The one time he didn't run himself out of bounds was on that throw down the sidelines. It was a perfect throw, and Mario made a great catch. I mean, how surprised were you that he stayed in bounds? 
I mean, just yeah, it was an unbelievable catch by him. You know, it was not, it was not the, uh, the the number one read on, on that on that play. We thought they might come with a little pressure. We kind of went max protection and um, you know worked to the right where I had I had uh, Victor and Akeem Nix. They were they were covered. They had them you know really blanketed. So I just thought it was really almost hey I'm gonna look to the left. If nothing's there, I'm gonna throw it out of bounds anyway. So they kind of you know I knew they were playing like a two man, but that safety was cheating a little bit on my eyes and thought I could just put it in a spot where you know hopefully my guy can get it. Uh, or nobody, and and if it's incomplete, hey, we'll go we'll go on the second and ten, kind of no no harm done. So you know, just put it in a spot, and you know, he was close to the sideline. It, it wasn't he didn't leave me a whole lot of room uh, to, to to leave it, but he did a great job, you know, concentrating, kind of catching, you know, probably the hardest catch you can have in football, one that's really over that outside shoulder where you got to, you know, keep your feet inbounds and you know a guy's about to come and hit you from the inside. I mean, that's that's a lot lot going on right there. So, um he obviously had a lot of a lot of ability um uh, and so, you know, did a great job concentrating right there, making that catch and 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 keeping him, you know, staying inbounds and and really kind of put us uh, you know, such an advantage when you get that big play on the first on the first play when you're kind of backed up in your own end zone around the 10 yard line so all of a sudden now you're you're around midfield you got plenty of time to work with you can get into your normal offense and and you know we were able to run the ball a few times and really kind of change you know uh, how we wanted to attack that two minute drive yeah and it, and it turns out you win the game again 21 17 so now archie you've got to be thinking well this is ridiculous right i've gotten i've got two kids They've each won a Super Bowl. Now Eli has won two in Peyton's hometown. They're probably running all over the streets again like they did after they beat the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. And I got to say, we were staying at ESPN. We were staying in the same hotel as the Giants in in, in Indianapolis, which I thought was the strangest thing in the world, that they would allow a media conglomerate like us to be at that time to be in the same hotel. And I actually ended up crashing your party. Uh, and you here's you can blame your friend Merrick, okay? Because he saw me he saw me outside uh, the the hotel. Say, hey man, we're having a party inside for you. I'm like, all right, I'm in. So I I remember the look on your face when I walk in, and you're like, what the hell are you doing here? I want to say, sorry, man, but blame your friend Merrick. He was really he was really very gracious. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was another the the, the post the post Super Bowl parties are good. They are. And it's so to see friends, you know, people from New Orleans and Ole Miss people and people who got to the game and struggled to get tickets, but but were there. And, and uh, it's just it's it's nothing like it. And then, of course, it evens out finally how perfectly that each Manning uh, son, the two that played quarterback, get two Super Bowls as Peyton goes on to win one with Super Bowl 50. But he didn't bother to join us, so we're not talking about him today. Um, so so it, it's really an amazing thing. And you guys have continued to be the sort of the first family of offense in the NFL with the way things have gone. And you guys, Archie, you guys just filmed, what, a Super Bowl commercial that's going to be coming up pretty soon? We did last week. We met up in L.A. and uh, the three of us are in a commercial for Frito-Lay that will uh, I think it's uh, maybe coming out before Super Bowl, but uh, I won't give it away. But I think it'll be I think people enjoy it. Uh, not because I'm in it, but the boys are pretty, pretty funny in the setting and the, the theme uh, is good. It, it's a little reminiscent, uh, Trey, maybe of the old ESPN commercial. Uh, remember when Peyton and he oh, yeah. walking down the hall and kind of getting after each other? Um, yeah. A little bit of that again in, in this one. So I uh, hope people will enjoy it. We had, we had fun getting together and doing it. Well, I'm certain you will. And Eli, I have enjoyed your Twitter feed immensely in your retirement because I think we're trying to figure out what you want to do. We got handstands, headstands, and apparently there's a real sloppy Joe controversy going on in New Jersey because you put up some of those sloppy Joes that don't look like sloppy Joes to me that I grew up with, but apparently the non-sloppy sloppy Joe is a big thing in Jersey. Yeah, very big. And and I didn't know I've been I've been living in New Jersey for 16 years. I didn't know that a sloppy Joe was not, you know, the, the ground beef and, and you know, what, what we grew up having or you had it at, uh, at school in the cafeteria. My mom makes a very mean homemade sloppy Joe. My dad calls them spoon burgers. So I don't know. I don't know where that name <laughs> came from. So that, that might be a whole other topic we have to get into. It's a Mississippi thing. It's a Mississippi <laughs> 
But yeah, here in New Jersey, you know, you kind of uh, North Jersey, you go to ask for a sloppy Joe, and it's a it's a turkey sandwich uh, with coleslaw and Russian dressing on it. And uh, you know, I kind of uh, there's there's a big debate going on. So yeah, the whole Twitter thing, I'm kind of new to it. You know, running out of ideas, and uh, you know, and then being being homeschooled or homeschooling some of the kids and having them around the house for a lot of time, you, you're you're you know creating some interesting. Uh, you know, uh, family memories. So, um, you know, some of my girls are into gymnastics and they were working on their, their handstand and headstands. And I was like, Oh, I can do a headstand. They're like, yeah, right. Let's, let's see it. And, uh, sure enough, I, I can do a headstand. I didn't, I didn't know it, but I can, I was just kind of messing with them, but, uh, I figured it out, but, uh, you know, so having a lot of fun with it and, uh, and, and, you know, I follow you. So you're one of my followers. So thank you for keeping me updated on everything going going on around the, the NFL and college football and everything. Trying to do that. And uh, so this was the first season we haven't had a Manning in forever uh, playing quarterback in the NFL, but the well is not dry. Archie, tell us about Cooper's uh, son, Arch. What year is he and, and how's he doing looking so far? Arch is a sophomore at uh, Newman High Isidore Newman yeah. High School here in New Orleans, same school that Cooper, Peyton, and Eli. Um Went to and um, they just comp- he just completed his second season as a as a high school quarterback. He got to play as a freshman and and they did very well. And this past year they they won them all. They didn't uh, because of the pandemic didn't play but eight regular season games. Won them all. Won a playoff game and then got beat in the semifinals state championship by a better team. But um, he's um, uh, had a, had a good year. He's got some good uh, got some good teammates and. Um, uh, it's good. High school football tray is so pure and, and good. Yeah. You know, it's supposed to be a good time for the, for the kids and a lot of life lessons to learn right, right there and uh, playing as a team and all those good things. So it's uh it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun. So, so maybe in six years, we'll see another Manning tossing the football around in the NFL. Who knows? I like his, I like his chances. Bloodlines <laughs> strong. Uh, Arch, Eli, always a pleasure. Thanks for helping us kick off season two of Half Forgotten History. Appreciate the time, and uh, we'll talk to you guys real soon. Okay, be well. Thanks, Trey. So that'll do it for episode one of season two of Half Forgotten History. Once again, our thanks to Archie and Eli Manning for joining us. But we're far from done. Coming up on episode two, another part of a massive Super Bowl upset. Eagles tight end Zach Ertz will join us to talk about how they managed to win a Super Bowl with a backup quarterback, once again taking down the New England Patriots. And I promise eventually in Season 2, we'll have some pro-Patriot players joining us as well. And don't forget to use the promo code WINGO whenever you download or use the app DraftKings. We'll see you next week for Episode 2 of Season 2 with Zach Ertz. 